Thank you for tuning in to the WAM Podcast, where women empower women in business and manufacturing. Hello, this is Lydia DiLiello, the CEO and founder of Capital Pricing Consultants. And it's my pleasure today to welcome Lindsay Duran, the Chief Marketing Officer of Zilliant, to Women and Manufacturing. Lindsay, it's a pleasure to finally have you with us on the program. Thanks so much. Happy to be here. Glad to have you. Lindsay, you've had an amazing career trajectory, not only with Zillian, but prior to joining Zillian, and a very notable career in sales. You were the top salesperson for, I believe, several years. So would you take us through kind of your career trajectory? I think it'd be great for our listeners to hear what's possible when you put your mind to it. Sure. Well, my very first job was actually at a semiconductor equipment manufacturing company, Applied Materials, which many of your listeners may be familiar with. But I was there for several years and then decided to go back to business school at the University of Texas, Hookham Horns, and spent some time in product management and product marketing at, at Dun & Bradstreet, a little bit of time at Deloitte Consulting doing CRM implementations, and then found my way to Zilliant, where I am now. And it will actually be 10 years at Zillion next week. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. And I, I started out in marketing at Zillion and held a, a couple of different functions in the marketing department. And then I was given the very unique opportunity to join the sales team as a sales director. And I had never been in sales before. And so at Zillion, we have somewhat long and complex sales cycles. It's certainly an enterprise sale, selling to executives at large manufacturing and businesses. And so it was really a phenomenal opportunity to get some experience directly with customers and spent several years in that role. And then they asked me to take the chief marketing officer job at Zilliant about two and a half years ago. And so I've been in that role ever since. And I have to say the, the sales experience itself just adds so much value when you find yourself back in a marketing role, both in terms of credibility with the sales organization, but just your knowledge of, of what really resonates with your customers and prospective customers. Well, that's a, an interesting history. And I'm sure it resonates with a lot of our viewers and listeners as well, coming from a manufacturing perspective and your take on sales. I want to explore that further. I think so many of us overlook in our day-to-day jobs, the impact that they have on sales and the fact that if we're not making it accessible and consumable to sales, then what we're doing isn't adding value to the company. And that's got to always be at the forefront. So this is a great opportunity as we talk with you today to bring sales back into our conversations within manufacturing. Absolutely. So I have questions for you, Lindsay, relative to, so Zillion is a price optimization and price management focused company, correct? That's correct. We really think about it in terms of delivering end-to-end pricing solutions for B2B companies. And that, of course, encompasses price optimization as well as price management. Can you speak to, you know, we're hearing an awful lot about digital transformation. And what does that mean? Can you walk us through that and how Zillion is impacting the digital transformation? And maybe for myself, as well as the viewers, will you start with just a definition of what does that mean to you? Sure. That's a a very broad term, but 
Digital transformation, in my opinion, is thinking about how are you using data and technology to transform how you sell and engage with customers, how you deliver your solutions to customers, what their experience looks like, how you go to market, how you enable your sales. It really is a very, very broad term. In the context of what Zillion does, we're helping companies transform how they use data to price and sell. I think several years ago, there was a lot of talk about big data, right? And massive amounts of data that companies are collecting in the course of doing business. And really is just a tremendous amount of value, unlocked value, really, that companies have in the data that lives in their systems today, right? Just their order entry, transaction data, customer data, product data holds a a wealth of information and they're starting to collect more and more data, right? You have IoT as an example, right? Particularly for manufacturers are likely collecting a lot of of data in the devices or the equipment or the parts that they're selling to customers. You have e-commerce data that you're able to get. Some people you know, see competitor prices online, which is something that's that's new in the B2B world, right? Very common in retail sure. 20 years, but certainly, you know, competitive price moves and other information. So there's a ton of data out there, but companies really, I think, struggle to figure out how to make the best use of that data. They have so much of it, it's hard to get their arms around. The volume is a bit overwhelming. And so how do you take that and then use that so that you are improving the customer experience, making better commercial decisions, adding more value to your customers? I think that's all part of the whole digital transformation journey. And you know, we're covering one piece of that as it relates to pricing and sales, but it really is a, a very broad journey that I think is with the pandemic and, and COVID and you know the shift to digital commerce is really very top of mind for, for many company executives at this point in time. Lindsay, you make a good point about, you know, we've seen such movement relative to data over the years. I think across all industries of big data was the thing. And can you speak a little bit about companies? We have viewers that are smaller manufacturers that have small data sets. But what I've seen is that that can be just as powerful for them as having a large data set for someone else. And that it's an awful lot about how you're managing that data, what process you're putting it through. So can you speak to that a little bit for them? Sure. Even if you're not, you know, collecting billions and billions of records, your data still has a tremendous amount of value, right? And just looking at how do you make sure that you're practicing good data hygiene with respect to your customer data and product data? One of the things that I think companies struggle with is as they go to set up an e-commerce site, for example, just getting their product master data in order such that they can properly display their products on their website and in the cases of you know configured products, if you're you're selling a complex solution, making sure that those configuration options are well defined and those rules are in place, even if it's a small data set, can be a significant challenge for companies. So really focusing on on how do I make that data as clean as possible, but also how do I make it accessible? Data and insights that are buried in a kind of inflexible ERP system 
I think is one of the the challenges that companies have. I was just having a conversation with one of our manufacturing customers in Europe this morning, actually. And, you know, he was talking about their pricing and that before they implemented our solution, one challenge that they had was they would, you know, set prices and email spreadsheets out to the, the sales leaders in the organization and that would, you know, magically get uploaded into the ERP. But then they had no idea what prices the sales reps were actually giving to customers at the end of the day to see that what the realized price in the market was. And so that lack of visibility into data and into what's actually happening in your business, even if you have a small data set and you're not a, you know, high transaction, high volume is really a good place to start for most companies. It's focusing on on visibility and how to keep that data clean. That's really helpful, Lindsay, because I'm sure for that customer, they were very happy to finally be able to trace from what that quote list price said in their Excel spreadsheet originally, now finally at the, what was the realized price and how much discount was going on as part of that. Because I think for all of us and manufacturing is especially, I'll say, guilty or challenged with this is probably a better word. We don't know how many discounts happen from the time we have an initial quote until that price is realized and the sale is transacted. And so being able to see that helps explain to the senior executives why profit looks the way it does this month rather than what the goal was, for example. You see that in companies that are offering rebates and other off invoice incentives, it becomes even more difficult to Mm -hmm. what the actual margin is or what the actual cost to serve a customer is as your pricing structures get more and more complex and you see some of those off invoice programs not necessarily showing up in the the data in your ERP. That's really good input for our listeners to take note of and pay attention to, which is Folks, we need to be taking a look at all of the places that we're doing discounts that we're not accounting for, such as, to Lindsay's point, what are we doing with rebates? What are we doing with anything that's off invoice or something that's transacted separately, not as part of the original quote of the product? How much money is going out of your doors right now? And especially with supply chain challenges right now where timing is a huge issue, I would believe very much that the the price management software also helps give customers visibility to timing issues relative to what did we quote it at, what's our current cost, and now what does that mean we need to do as an update? Are you finding, Lindsay, that supply chain is causing problems for your client base? Oh, gosh, it, it absolutely is. Between the supply chain disruption and just inflation, if you think about you know, for many manufacturers, the time between quote and order could actually be several weeks or several months. A quote that you gave someone at the beginning of January, you may only be able to keep that quote relevant for a week. Mm-hmm. Your cost basis could have drastically increased by the time they're ready to make that that order in, in February or March in many instances. And so just the simple act of being able to update prices when change, extraordinarily difficult for people to manage. We often say that, you know, it takes four months for people to execute a quarterly price update, (laughs) which isn't ideal. And in this, in this environment, 
that we're seeing right now where inflation is just, you know, completely mm-hmm. control that taking four months to be able to effectively update prices across the board, particularly if you have very complex pricing structures, you might have some type of global list price. You might mm-hmm. then have regional or country specific list prices. You might have specific customer agreements that are in place, other off invoice incentives, negotiated business that you're doing, selling through distribution, selling through e-commerce channels, just trying to get the cost data for an update aggregated, get all of your prices into a place where you can update them and then make those adjustments without introducing inaccuracies and errors and getting those back into all of the relevant systems is so unbelievably challenging for companies that if they are not, if they're using, you know, Excel spreadsheets and and trying to pull data down from an ERP and re-upload it into an ERP, it's just extraordinarily inefficient for them. And so we find that unless you're using a commercial software pricing tool, like what we offer from Zillion and what some of our competitors offer, unless you're using a tool of that nature, you really cannot keep up in today's environment. You're probably a significant amount of margin as a result. That's a great point because, and I love your your quote about it takes four months to do a, a quarterly price update. Chasing those Excel spreadsheets, having been a practitioner for many years, that was always just drudgery and, and never ending. So in an environment like this, as you said, with inflation, I have to expect that that's not only is, is margin being lost, but productivity issues have to be tremendous along with errors because you're constantly updating what you just updated. And when time is this short, it always exacerbates everything. So I suspect most of our listeners are in a situation where they're chasing down this very issue. And so digital transformation is really also poignant and about right now relative to how quickly can you do an update and which is real time in commercial software is correct. Do you want to spend a minute and talk about that a little bit? Sure. So, you know, we talk about this in terms of speed and precision, right? So being able to make those updates quickly and do that precisely and not introduce errors. But then we also talk about how do you make your pricing and your digital commerce experience more intelligent, so one of the, the ways that I like to describe that is, you know, how are you using your data to really power intelligent commerce and making those price updates, right? If you're just trying to do a, a simple cost pass through, maybe maintain sure. margins or pass a percentage through, that's only half the battle because then you have to get those updates back into all of the systems in which you do business. And the typical pattern for people and for for many manufacturers is to load those back into their pricing logic or pricing records in their ERP. Mm -hmm. And at the point in time when you go to place an order and what was traditionally happening in manufacturing is a sales rep would go in and create the order within the, the ERP and it would automatically flow through the process. Well, today, a lot of the quoting and ordering isn't necessarily happening through a traditional ERP screen. And what needs to happen is that price that's been loaded back into the ERP somehow has to make its way to your e-commerce site, into your 
configure price quote application into any marketplaces that you're selling through and really any other channels that are where your customers are engaging with you. And the challenge is that most ERP systems do not have the capability to calculate and deliver prices out in real time to any of those systems. It takes far too long to go through that pricing logic. You know, when you and I are are shopping online in a consumer-oriented world, we expect the price to just magically appear on our site, right? We don't wait two minutes for Nordstrom or Amazon or anyone else to calculate a price for the item. It automatically shows up, right? And I may see a different price than you may see in certain instances, but it's instantaneous. And so the expectation in a B2B world is that it also needs to be instantaneous, but the logic for B2B pricing is so much more complicated. And so what we're increasingly seeing is that companies either are looking for a new place to have their pricing logic be housed in a new pricing system of record that is flexible, that's easier to update, that doesn't require an IT project to make a change to the logic, which is, as you very well know, Lydia, is so often the case. We're seeing that they're not only looking for a new system of record that's more flexible to be able to update that pricing logic, but that also can in real time do that complex calculation of what the price should be for that particular customer, for that particular product or bundle of products and services and deliver that price out in milliseconds, right? Not in 10 minutes that it takes an ERP to run through the the pricing logic and, and get to the price. And to be able to do that in every single channel so that you can get consistency, the price that a customer sees online on your e-commerce site is rational as it relates to the price or the same, right? If your strategy is the same, it relates to the price that you'd get when you pick up the phone and call your sales rep, right? We don't want those prices to be different unless we intend for those to be different because they're in different, you know, cost to serve channels. So the consistency and clarity of that pricing strategy across all of those channels can really only be achieved if you're able to deliver prices out in real time. And and most legacy technology can't do that. And if you're a manufacturer that's grown by acquisition, (laughs) I don't know. I I sometimes see 20 different ERP instances, right? Different versions of the same ERP, completely different ERPs. Just the proliferation of systems is making getting pricing right across all of your channels increasingly difficult. And and people are seeking out solutions to, to solve for that. And I think for our viewers, Lindsay, you've really struck a chord because I think one of the biggest challenges for manufacturers is whether it's through acquisition, like you said, or or a company that's just had 50 years of history where where the default was, eh, it's always worked, we'll just keep going with what we've got, except that that works until you hit world conditions that we've had like the past two years of a global pandemic crazy inflation, supply chain, dramatic supply chain issues. And then to your point, the inability for a company to keep up with real-time pricing in multiple different software systems, which I think everyone listening has had more than one or two headaches around, and unintended prices that go out to the market where 
somehow your best customer just got your highest price and the worst, biggest time-consuming pain in the neck customer, you've got the drains your resources, ended up with the best possible price and short lead times on top of it. So they get yep. the best of everything. And then we're left scrambling to try to, to cover up and fix what's gone wrong there. So I think this idea of digital transformation and managing the data to deliver price points intentional, specific to a point in time are critically, critically important. Now, as we start to wrap up here, Lindsay, let's pull sales back into this whole conversation because how do you see this whole digital transformation involving sales and what can our listeners do to help their sales forces? Long gone are the days where salespeople can get away with being order takers, right? We often draw this contrast between order makers and order takers. I think that's really key, right? You can't just show up to the customer and say, what would you like to order today, right? And so often, I think that was the case because they were the mechanism by which customers could place orders. And so when Mm -hmm. customers no longer need that as the mechanism, what they expect from salespeople is that salespeople are adding tremendous value in every conversation. So a couple of ways that salespeople can do that. One, they need to have data and insights that help them have the most productive conversation with every customer. They may be really good at having conversations with their top 5, 10, 15 customers, right? But let's say they're managing 50 accounts, 30 accounts, right? They can't keep track. Human beings just can't keep track of information and, and plan that well because they're busy, right? They're getting pulled in a million directions. And so One of the ways that I think about digital transformation for sales is how do you give salespeople point-in-time actionable insights that they can use with very little thought and analysis to then go have a more constructive, more productive, more value-add conversation with a customer? We see examples of that in our own customer base where, let's say, a company is trying to move excess inventory that they have on hand. And rather than, you know, blasting out a a spreadsheet to salespeople that says, hey, go sell this inventory, right? That's not super useful for a salesperson. They're probably going to ignore it. Deliver a, say, this customer based on their previous purchase history is highly likely to buy this particular product and it is in excess inventory. And oh, by the way, we're going to mark it down and have a little bit of a discount on it. So offer them this price. That is much more useful than, hey, we need to move inventory out of this particular warehouse, right? As an example. Or if you know you have customers that have volume commitments as part of the pricing that you've given them, be able to flag for salespeople when a customer is not on track to meet that volume commitment so that they can course correct earlier in the course of that year-long volume commitment and and increase those sales with customers or understand why that's the case and solve for that instead of letting it get to the end of the year and then having a difficult conversation with the customer. And I also think it extends to pricing, right? If a salesperson can feel confident in the price that they are quoting or giving to a customer and they don't feel like they need to rely on kind of tribal knowledge or experience, especially, you know, as you're hiring newer workers, right? Onboarding time just being comfortable with giving a price for something that maybe you've never sold before and knowing that there's some data behind why the price is the price 
that price was given to you rationally and is applicable in that particular circumstance for that customer, for that order size, for that product, for that geography, and understanding the competitive intensity or the competitive intensity for that particular product set. And knowing all of that's baked into the price that the salesperson is seeing, I think is really key because then that keeps them from just kind of applying those rule of thumb discounts. Well, I know that when I sell this at a 30% margin, the customers never bulk at that price. So I'm just going to peg everything at a 30% margin and, and call it a day. And so often we see that behavior, but part of successfully using your data to more effectively price and sell is making sure that the insights that are given to sales and the information that's given to sales is backed up by data and is easily actionable and easy for them to understand and go execute on. And that ultimately improves the customer experience. It sounds like, Lindsay, the key points that you hit relative to pricing, relative to sales being informed, is all about being proactive with the data transformation that's taking place. And so that it's controlled, it's intentional, and in being proactive, as you said, you're not waiting till the end of the year to find out that your customer who you're discounting is only fulfilling 50% of their volume commitment. And basically they've been given the carrot and it's too late. And so this allows accountability as well as opportunity then for additional sales relative to, if I'm a salesperson, I want to know it's in stock. I want to know that the price you've given me is really the discounted price that I can go with. And I want to know how long it's going to take to get it delivered. And does this really meet my customer's requirements or not? And to your point, if I've got 40 or 50 accounts, I can't keep track of all of those. So a system that is telling me or suggesting, here's your information on this set of customers. They may be interested in buying this based on past buying behavior is tremendously helpful. Absolutely. Don't give salespeople reports. Give them an actionable insight that is specific to a customer. Salespeople don't want to be analysts and you don't want them to be analysts. So they decipher complicated information, just give them an insight that's easily actionable, that is backed up by sound data, by sound data science or AI. And, And that's really where we see salespeople being able to elevate their conversations with customers and and improve that experience overall. So for our listeners, folks, make sure you heed what Lindy is suggesting here, which is don't just give your salespeople reports, give them insights on what to do specifically backed up with your data. Really critical. As we finish out our broadcast here, is there any advice or anything you've learned specifically in your career path for women that you would like to share back with our viewers and our audience today? Sure. That's a big question, Lydia, but one it is that you know I think I found really valuable. And I, I think this goes for everyone, men and, and women alike, but take a role in sales at some point in your career. That's how the money comes in the door so often. And just being able to say, I carried a bag. I have spent that much time with the customer. I understand the needs. I know what you're going through. Changes your perspective and lets you be more effective, whether you're in marketing, whether you're in product management, whether you're in finance, right? Regardless of your role, it gives you a different perspective and appreciation for for what is effective 
in those scenarios. And as, as someone said to me, Lindsay, if your end game is that you want to be CMO, no one ever said they didn't like a CMO with sales experience. And I think that really stuck with me because I think that's so true. And it makes you better at ultimately what your career goal is if you have spent at least a little bit of time in that role. So that's one thing. And the other thing is find and seek out mentors that have skill sets that are in areas where you want to improve. So if you feel like you're weak in a specific area and that skill set or knowledge base is key to where you want to go in your career, seek out mentors, male or female, doesn't matter, who can help you figure out ways to build up that skill set. And asking for their help ultimately will help them be an advocate for you. Share what your career goals are because people remember that down the line that you said, hey, I, you know, I really want to be CMO at some point. Two, three years later, when that position opens up, they will remember that and potentially put you up for that job. And so that's really how some of that career magic happens just by being open about what it is that you want in your career and and what you think you need to learn to go do and then making those things happen. Terrific. Well, thank you so much for sharing your insights and your wisdom and for being a guest on our broadcast today. So for our audience, remember that if you're looking for manufacturing news and interviews with Manufacturing Thought, of course, you're going to visit us here on Women in Manufacturing. And we have five different podcasts available to you including Hazard Girls that highlights unusual roles for women, Manufacturing Matters, as well as Manufacturing Partnerships Making Waves. Thanks so much for joining us today, Lindsay. And to our listeners, we hope that you got some valuable information today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for joining the WAM podcast, where women empower other women in business and manufacturing. For more shows like this, go to whampodcast.com. That's whampodcast.com. Thanks for tuning in. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.